Hello, hello, hola, as the great Bono once said. You're listening to The Clever Kids. It's a weekly podcast for three brothers. <laughs> Take a look at a topic from popular culture that you may or may not care about. My name's Tyler. Hey, you got Bono here. Uh, <laughs> and I'm Jeff. I, uh, I, uh, I, for some reason that, that, that dumbass song got stuck in my head earlier today. I don't know what you're talking about. I just sounded like you, know, you made that up. No, it's like, it's a U2 song. I don't know. I don't know. I don't like U2, but I know that song exists. It says, hello, hello, hola. Right? Jeff, can you back me up? <laughs> Never listened to, to U2. Uh, someone, uh, one of our listeners just email in, um, and let us know if that if I made that up or not. Um, this week, uh, as the title of this podcast episode, we'll tell you we're talking Stranger Things Season 4. Um, we're just going to jump right into it. Um, if you haven't seen any of Stranger Things, I don't know why you would want to listen to this. Uh, if you haven't seen any of this season, there's a lot to spoil. Um, so go and watch it. Um, did I say listen to any of this season anyway whatever technically you guys get it. you'd be right unless yeah. they're just watching subtitles sure yeah um i don't at any uh bleh, at any rate go and watch it and then uh, come back and listen to this episode otherwise we're just gonna jump in and spoil everything so um i don't know who wants to get started first i'm guessing we're just doing uh, general does. takes correct yeah, you can. I mean, do whatever. I just gave the spoiler warning up front because I was like, there's a lot to spoil. So you feel free to give like a spoiler filled review if you want to. Just whoever wants to start the discussion. All right. I'll, I'll launch right in um, and say this show continues to deliver exactly what I expect with each new season. I think um, the first season was the only one I went in with zero expectations, obviously. Uh, and it was a highly engaging uh, show that somehow manages to deliver with child actors when I typically run away from shows that are child actor-centric. Um, and with each new season, I've just expected it to be not not necessarily like, um, like a huge step up with each season, but just more of the same. Because like I want to enjoy the same things, the same charm and the same interesting storyline that isn't too over the top well it's pretty over the top but in an enjoyable way uh that i got that i came to know and love in season one and it just continues to 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 give me that i've got some gripes um but but for the most part uh i i have enjoyed each season exactly the same amount that i've enjoyed seasons prior and i don't know how many shows i can say that about jeff you have similar sentiment yeah i mean i i will echo the sentiment that I thought it was very good. I don't know if I would say that I enjoyed it as much as I enjoyed the previous ones. Um, I mean, I think that one major thing that we've talked about off podcast is um, <clears throat> this. I think the show is suffering to a small extent from the fact that they're trying to tell a story that takes place over two years with actors that are rapidly aging over almost 10. Um, Has it only been two years? Yeah, I they, guess they start right. middle school and it's been like 18 months or something in, in the four seasons. Um, they keep doing like three month jumps. Um, so yeah. Um, so yeah. Yeah. Um, that is interesting. And, and the characters are wildly approaching their twenties. The, the, the middle schoolers that were middle schoolers at the beginning of the show are now rapidly approaching their twenties and still portraying 14 to 15 year olds. So um, I think that the show needs to end. Unfortunately, I, I do like the writing. I think that they've done a fantastic job of isolating character arcs of doing long form divided storytelling with traditionally three different segments of people all interacting with various enemies to be able to come towards a common, uh, or approach a common enemy or a common problem, whether or not they're aware of the, um, the other people that are also assisting them in their efforts you know, the parents are out doing one thing, the teenagers are out doing one thing, and the middle schoolers are doing another thing, and all three of them are working towards the same goal, incidentally. And I think it's really fantastic storytelling, but unfortunately it can't go on forever. I was really surprised to know that this is not the final season, because this one, the beginning of this season, was kind of hard to watch, where I was like, that. I'm supposed to believe that that 
clearly like 25 year olds, uh, a, uh, 14 year old child. I don't. Um, but I don't know. It's, uh, I mean, is that your only gripe? It's a pretty big one. Just that the, um, that the people are really old because I mean, you, but you understand the circumstances surrounding that happening, right? Like filming schedules yes. just don't always meet up. They all have different things that they're committed to because they're becoming bigger and bigger stars. Like you kind of just have to look past those things sometimes. Like, do you watch the mm. Sam Raimi Spider-Mans I, and be like, Toby Maguire is clearly 35 right now and he's playing like a high school senior or the amazing Spider-Man series and be like, Andrew Garfield's basically 40 in this. Like, I, I don't think you do, right? No, that's not my point. I think that both of those people were able to pass off as, as teenagers and were able to age up with their franchises. My point is that these guys decided to drag out a show with an aging cast. And I think that they could have told a, a good story in a short amount of time. I, I don't, I'm not excited for a fifth season because I, I think it's just going to exacerbate the problem that we're already starting to see. That being said, I think there's a lot of good to the show. I, I really enjoy the writing. I think, like I said, their ability to tell stories and their ability to establish excellent character arcs and have stakes is good. I think there's a lack of um, threats to main characters. We haven't really had much motion or threats to the to the primary. I mean, each one of them is always in danger, but like every single season we get introduced to a uh, a surrounding cast that then just slowly gets picked off and it's like okay um cool so i don't know i think they're too afraid to kill anyone um is my other main complaint so i guess jeff hates star wars and stranger things i just looked it up like these characters these actors aren't that much older than the characters they're playing yeah uh, i think like uh Finn Wolfhard is like 18 or 19 and the, the girl, Millie Bobby, whatever, she's 18 or 19, something like that. Honestly, it's the older kids that are supposed to be no, seniors in high school that are like 30. Yeah. So Millie Bobby Brown is 18. She's playing a 15 year old. So yeah, okay. that's really Finn, not that different. No, that's you not would have said that you would have said that uh, Tom Holland playing Spider-Man when he was playing like a sophomore in high school, supposed to be a sophomore in high school. He looked great as a sophomore in high school. He would have been a playing 15 when he was 18 or 19. Yeah, so the guy that, it's the, guy the same that, difference. The guy that plays Mike is 23. His character's 15. is a little bit of a difference, but I don't think it's it's bearable in my opinion. Um, Max uh, is 20 and her character's 15. Uh, Will Byers, 17 and his, uh, and his character's 15. Like, it's not as bad as I was expecting looking that up. Like, it, like yeah, I, I'll I admit the athlete guy that's kind of a psycho hunting like he looks old as shit to me but you know like i can turn the other cheek on some of that stuff i think his muscle definition was unbelievable like i was like this guy's in high school this guy's like a college level like (laughs) like and yeah anyway um well to get into my reviews here um i actually my wife made this decision for me but um we watched all of season four up until the cutoff when they did that a couple weeks ago, right? Then the new ones came out this weekend, and we watched the first of it, so episode eight. And then my wife was like, no, I want to go back and start at season one, episode one, and work our way through. So we she basically did not leave the house all weekend and binged watch the first three seasons of Stranger Things all the way up until this morning. And then this morning she watched the first half of season four, season four again and while I did other stuff. And then we just watched the finale right before this uh, podcast. Um, and I will say that like just a quick review of the series. Season one is a banger. Like there's like very few edits. Like it is so good. Like it's, it's just not, not edits. I don't have any like comments or like gripes with season one really. I'm like they, they crushed it. Season two is very meandering and kind of doesn't really stick the landing at the end. But then season three comes back with a fucking vengeance and is so good. I think speaking of what Jeff was just talking about, where they send each of the characters into different groups on to different missions and then bring them all back together and show how those missions all connect. Jeff, you were just talking about that, weren't you? Or is that Brian? Either yes, way, that was you me. both look but confused. I, I do want to say, okay. Season two had the best character development 
I think in the show, like the, the pivot of Steve Harrington to go from like a disillusioned bully jock to father of the middle school friend group was a fantastic character choice and was absolutely amazing definition for oh it's a total jamie lannister character arc all he has to do now is revert back to the asshole he was in the first place well he is about to he is about to steal his girlfriend back so uh exactly it's kind of happening so uh yeah we'll see what happens anyway so season three is No, please, I insist, Jeff. Please, I was going to say, Ed, well, I mean, to continue on that note of, of Steve Harrington's reversion, he's also always bitching in this season about how he doesn't want to be the babysitter anymore. So, yeah, he has started to fall back on season one tropes. Yeah, he's got a season Lannister, uh, season Lannister, Jamie Lannister character arc, if I've ever I seen will. So season three is better than seasons two. Season two may have good character moments, and I don't think season two is the worst, I mean, is like the worst thing I've ever seen, but I will say it's the worst of... The Stranger Things, and it's still good. You know, I'm talking about like tens and nines, and then that one's a seven or something. You know what I mean? Like, it's just not as good as the ones, the other ones. I think season three might be the best season because you send all the characters on different story missions and then bring them with, and none of them realize that their individual missions are all uh, based around the same thing. Then when you meet that, when they all meet up at the final the final episode they all are trying to explain to each other what they've been doing and realizing that every how they all fit into this puzzle piece and it's really good season four did a very similar thing um and i think that it does a really good job um so i will say that it's good to see that this show just stays consistent as brian had been saying like i like going in and you know what they're not doing is trying to subvert my expectations which i very much no. appreciate they're like no we're fucking fully playing into your expectations we're just telling you a sick ass story yeah. they, st- they stick to their formula and it's i appreciate it because yeah. you know when when especially when a show is created over this long of a stretch and with so much scrutiny from being a big um hit i you know always kind of fear that they're gonna get too cute or you know, start to stray too far from what made them successful in the first place. And I think Stranger Things, if, if they've done nothing else, they've managed to stick to the formula that's worked for them. So, yeah, I agree. Um, so let's talk about this season specifically and some of the notes we might have. How did you guys feel? So every season kind of references um, – like things, things from the eighties and nineties and like action movies and, and horror movies and things like that. Like season three had that big Russian guy who clearly was an Arnold Schwarzenegger homage with the Terminator and like he kept getting killed, but was wearing like bulletproof vests and all kinds of shit. Right. Um, they, uh, this season was very Freddy Krueger heavy. Um, how did you guys feel about Vecna and like the dream state and the, like the whole Freddy Krueger thing? Did you guys pick up on that? Did you have thoughts on that? Have either of you even seen Freddy Krueger? Jeff, go ahead. I didn't make the connection. I have seen Freddy Krueger. I understand the character, but um, I didn't really see the connection. I I don't really agree necessarily that each season is picking a horror monster character. Oh, I don't. So I don't think each season is explicitly referencing one movie each season is just clearly has inspirations and homages to things from the eighties. Right. Like I'm not saying like, I didn't think the monster in season three was the Terminator. I'm just saying that guy was clearly inspired by a Terminator type thing. Right. And he was clearly an homage just like Vecna with his one hand that is a claw and how he takes people into a dream realm. And they even had the actor, um, who plays Freddy Krueger in the show. He was the guy who's, house everything happened in i cannot remember the actor's name or the character's name um but that that guy was Freddy krueger i um sorry interesting no i I think you guys didn't i didn't you didn't pick up on that but do you see it now i didn't pick up on it either i uh i don't know how you notice this shit mid-season because i'm paying attention to stranger things not what stranger things knocking off but uh i'm not not i don't think they're even knocking anything off it's just like it's homages you know in in season two when steve and dustin are on their mission together and like in season one they do it a lot 
they have them all walking on train tracks, which is clearly an homage to Stand By Me, which is a Stephen King novel that was turned into a very popular movie in the late 80s. So it's like they just they just do things where they're just like they they homage certain shots. There's there's a scene um, in season one where they're in the buyer's house and it's Nancy and Jonathan and Steve and they're looking through the windows and outside the tall grass out front is rustling, which is clearly a reference to Jurassic Park with the Raptors. Like it's just like they just do little things where they just homage and reference very, very popular movies. Jeff's like looking at me like I think like he thinks I'm overstepping again. Other people will point this out. I'm not the only one who thinks this. I know the internet is fucking loving it too. It's not just me. Yeah, I just what? feel like it's kind of hard for someone to do anything original without someone being like, Claus, that's a Raptor reference. Wait, does he have teeth? That's a Jaws reference. That's a Jaws reference right there. That's not what I'm saying. I'm not, I just, I think that they, they're like framing their shots in like the exact same way. Like the, even in this it's season, a little known fact. when, when Eleven is having the mind fight with Vecna and she's in the pool, you guys weren't pulling Matrix vibes? Like she's sitting there with the blindfold. It's Neo and no. in, in, in uh, oh my god, you guys are ridiculous. I know Matrix I'm right. isn't from it's, the eighties. I know they're just referencing it's actually movies. A, it's not just okay. It's actually a little known fact that Stephen King actually invented railroad tracks, and that railroad tracks are only used when in reference to Did Stephen you guys, King novels. I just want to be but, clear that Inception thing that you guys always make fun of me about is now on their Wikipedia. And I'm not saying that I am the reason that it's on the Wikipedia, but on the Inception Wikipedia, other people are referencing it. So did you guys I'm not alone. Notice? I'm not crazy. I'm just more into film in a different way than you guys are. I pay totally, attention totally. to the way the films are shot, and you don't. That's not my fault. Did you guys um, notice how the use of... Um, I just feel like you're youthful about to make main characters was a reference <laughs> to slapping in the stinkers. I can't even say it's straight. <laughs> uh, dude, I hate you guys. I'm gonna leave this podcast forever, oh and you guys god. can edit it from now on. Oh my god! All right. Anyway, so uh, how did you I feel about this. Vecna? Was my question. Yeah. So I will say this about Vecna. I if there was something about him being like a, just a straight up like. <laughs> I don't know. Like the the way he looked was kind of thrown me a little bit. Like it, like I kind of wish he'd preserved a little bit more of his humanity in his look, in like his actual physical appearance. Like there was something thrown me about him being just like a, you know, I don't know, tentacle man, like flesh fleshless, you know, like weird, like slime ball guy. <laughs> like like it was just I. I, I maybe I need to get into creative like makeup department for movies, but I, I just had a, a, for some reason formulated an opinion on that when I've never had an opinion on something like that before. And I just kind of was like wishing that they had preserved a little bit of the humanity left. I, they, I think this know, podcast just, is rubbing off on you, man. <laughs> You're noticing things you never noticed before. Yeah. Cause it was kind of bugging me how far they took his, his, uh, you know, his makeup. I felt like they just did overdid it a little bit. Interesting. If that makes any sense. Jeff, how did you feel about Vecna? Um, you know, I saw a post lately that kind of opened my eyes so that was talking about how the makeup artist on Stranger Things was also the makeup artist on Doctor Strange that did like the zombified Doctor Strange, as well as he was the makeup artist on uh, and a couple of different movies that have been like with insane visual prosthetics. And they're like, this is like the best um, practical effects guy in the business and i was like that's that's pretty cool i um i, I mean he looked awesome was. don't get me wrong like yeah. whatever they did they they killed yeah. it i just felt like the creative decision to go I that will hard say, with the character's look was a little over there. i i will say I, I feel like season one scared the living shit out of me like i genuinely don't like horror films i avoid them because they give me nightmares i haven't had nightmares since season one um, the show stopped scaring me, and it well. Season became, two is I, like I not genuinely... a scary season. Sorry, yeah, I, I didn't think season one or I didn't I didn't think season three or four was scary either. Like at no point did I think Vecna was actually gonna kill anyone, and he didn't really. Um, and at no point did I think the the Demodogs in season two or the Russians in season three. Like I just didn't didn't think so, um, and it didn't happen. So I think that the directors need to be get more comfortable just killing people off. That's what I'm saying. Just. Pull, pull, pull a germ and start chopping heads. Yeah, I will say the the non-killing of main characters is starting to really get to me. 
Um, and it's a trend that we noticed with Game of Thrones. I think maybe I mentioned this to Brian um, yesterday, uh, but the fact that they're not killing main characters, first of all, makes you care less when they get put into danger. And second, if they do wrap up the season, or the series with season five, which is what I've read is the plan, um, then they have so many characters to give an ending to now. Like they have so much to accomplish, which is one of the problems that happened with the end of Game of Thrones is they had so many people to wrap up satisfyingly that everybody's character arcs ended up being rushed because they just didn't have enough time to give all 50 people and they just were being too precious. They were like, well, we don't want to kill everybody's fan favorites, you know, and then they had to wrap, instead of killing them, they had to wrap up their storylines and it just didn't, it, it wasn't, satisfying i guess um, and it's mind-blowing because that was what made game of thrones the thing that everyone was talking about at the beginning was that they was weren't like, precious they killed don't the fall in love with any character like that's how you introduce it to me like don't fall in love with the character you're not they're not gonna make it yeah you know like that's right the main character gets his freaking head chopped off like as the finale or whatever of season one and it's like not even the finale it's the episode before the finale the, the penultimate exactly episode. like and it just to me like that is just crazy that they got to the point where later on they were afraid to kill characters and it just and i'm afraid of i'm afraid they're doing that again because what they did this season was they last season they killed hopper and then they brought him back literally before the credits even finished. They they showed that there was an American in Russia and it was like, oh, okay, that's probably Hopper then, you know? And then they, they killed Billy, but Billy was just introduced in the previous season and he was kind of a bully character. He wasn't really a main character yet, you know? Um, he didn't really become a main character until the season that he, he died in. And then this season they introduced us to, to Eddie Munson and... They kill him by the end of the season when I thought that they were setting up for Steve to sacrifice himself and die. And I was kind of pulling for him to die because he could go out as a hero. You know what I mean? So, like they were setting up this like weird love situation with him and Nancy, which I was like, why are we doing this again? Like I'm I'm over their relationship. Like, let's just move him on, give him something else to do, you know? And instead, they just like kind of tease that they're going to fall in love next season and that there's going to be like a weird strenuous love triangle next season. And I don't really want that. I, I would have preferred that he confessed his love to Nancy and then had to sacrifice himself to save her and died. And that's it. You know, give him that hero moment. Sorry, Jeff, you, you got thoughts? I was just going to comment that their love triangle feels a lot like Jean Grey, Cyclops, and Wolverine. And I don't love it. It's my, my least favorite love triangle. And um, which one's Wolverine? I guess it's uh, it's Joe Carey, right? Because he's got the great hair. I, I guess I don't know. Because I mean, Steve, I, 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 Jonathan is they're both the... kind of Cyclops. It's like Cyclops, Jean Grey, and Cyclops love triangle. <laughs> they both remind me of Cyclops, actually. <laughs> yeah. Um, honestly, Joe Carey as Cyclops, I could I would be okay with that. That's not a bad casting decision, in my opinion. Um. I uh, what did we think of Eddie Munson and the Hellfire Club kind of thing? Did you guys think that that was cool, Jeff? I mean, obviously you get the reference of Hellfire Club, X Men, okay. X Men. Anyway, yep. M moving on. <laughs> oh, okay. Yeah, Sorry. I mean, I, th I think it was interesting because Hellfire's, in <clears throat> Hell Hellfire's uh, an alternative, like a, it's a mutant society in the X Men universe. Um, and yeah, so uh. Yeah, and Chris Claremont would have been operating in the 70s. That would have been like a 1970s, 80s comic, so that would have been popular at the time. Um, yeah, I would assume. I thought that it was an interesting concept to put D&D at the forefront with this concept of like a cult following because there were actual kids that would be convicted for, for murders simply because of their relation to D&D. Like that was an actual trend in like the seventies and eighties where they. I don't like, think anyone was actively convicted like falsely due due to D and D, but there was suspicion around satanic cults and Dungeons and Dragons um, during the satanic panic of the mid to late eighties, um, and part of that came from a kid who disappeared and I think killed himself. Um, who had been playing Dungeons and Dragons and had become and like fallen into some satanic stuff. And then they connected the two. And then also religion just doesn't like fantasy. 
Um, so anyway, yeah, I do. Well, that's been the whole series though, right? Like that's why they bring it in, but tying in the cult messaging was interesting this season for sure. Um, I really appreciated them doing, um, or like calling back to some of that really early show stuff where you see them down in the, the basement playing D and D and then for them to make that kind of a center point of this season, I kind of appreciated it because it was one of the cool things like Jeff and I both play D and D. And so like, it's, you know, obviously I have a little bit of a personal connection to it, but you know, it was just cool to have that become to like be brought back as a, uh, a focal point of the whole thing. And, and for those who don't know, Vecna is a, a D and D baddie. So it was kind of cool to have that just be this, all of the bad guys in every season are based on D and D characters. Right. Yeah. And so it was, it was just cool. I, I, you know, I like that part of it. And I think that that's part of what I was talking about, about staying true to the formula that works is, you know, it's just this cool kind of, you know, like be, being uh forgive me for anyone, this might hurt, but uh, being a nerd is, is way cooler now than it used to be. And uh, so it's, it's cool to have this something from the eighties that would definitely like, as you see in the show, isolate you as a nerd you know these days it's like something you can wrap your arms around and it's pretty cool for it to yeah. to be such a big theme in the show well, it's like all the nerds from the 80s who just like grew up loving all this shit like star wars and D D and comic books they are the ones making things now and so they get to sort of control the narrative and what's popular ends up being the stuff that they liked and now it's not as nerdy anymore, which uh, is is kind of a bummer because there's nothing more. There's nothing I hate more than like going to Target and there's just like some fucking gabber dad wearing a Star Wars T-shirt. And I'm just like, you don't even fucking like Star Wars, dude. Like, get take that fucking. <laughs> I just, it makes me <laughs> so angry. You don't even fucking surf, you bitch. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah. I just I always feel that way when I see people like or like someone wearing a Batman shirt. Like I don't own any Batman merchandise or like Star Wars merchandise really that I wear because I don't really want to be associated with people who wear it because I feel like those people are lying to the world. They just like say they like it, but they don't really like it. They don't know what planet Darth Maul is from. You know what I mean? They don't know any of those things. Um anyway, it is cool. I agree that that is cool. Um, how do you guys feel about the uh, bringing Hopper back? Like, did you did that bother you guys at all? <laughs> I, it bothered me. I'll, I'll just say that right up front. Like, I just kind of was like, you wanted him to die. I just feel like, like it was the only. He's the first time that you've seen someone from the main core group die. You know, uh, I thought it was kind of obvious in that at the time. I don't think I ever once had the thought cross my head that he wasn't going to be. A continuing member of it like it like i don't i maybe i'll have to rewatch and make sure i'm not having some kind of revisionist history about my own thoughts but i don't remember ever thinking that hopper was actually going to be gone from the show like it seemed kind of obvious what they were going to do there jeff you don't care um sorry i think brian's suffering from hindsight bias hopper survived and ex- got hit full force with an explosion in the bottom of like the 13th substory of a mall that imploded and, and you thought the obvious transition was that he was going to wake up in Russia? Oh, did they show him like that was I don't clear know, disintegrate into like a million pieces or what? They just show a flash of light and then the mall falls on top of him. Right. <laughs> yeah. So they avoided showing him die on camera is what I'm hearing. You're right. killing we me. didn't see his body. Oh. Natural conclusion. You know, it, you, okay. if, if you get collapsed on by rubble, you wake up in Russia. That's Those two things are synonymous. No, his <laughs> conclusion is if you don't see a body, that, that character oh, can come they back. they actually looked for a body and there was none. Yeah. There's there's my solution. I, I'm like, I know he must be coming back as a character because they're not actually confirming his death. Sure. Yeah. yeah. Um, I, I will say, having just watched season three finale today, that that moment is actually very sad. Even though I knew he was coming back, I was like, this is soul crushing this is like making me very sad (laughs) it's like his death happens and then the rest of the series it's like the the rest of the episode is like the families are getting split up the people who all love each other and are in relationships are getting sent away from each other or separated from each other and it's all overlaid with this message from hopper to l his adopted daughter where he's like i know you're growing up And I know I have to give you your freedom, but I miss you. And I'm not ready to let go of our time together. And it is, I I almost cried. I was like, 
I, it, I was I knew he was coming back and it still like hurt me like I, it made me really sad like that bit I really didn't you know and then immediately like they do the created by the Duffer Brothers and then it just like shows Russia and it's like no 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 not the American it's like oh there's an American in those cells who could that be probably that American who was last seen wearing um, a Russian uniform I think uh, I, I had two notes at the end of the, the season that I haven't talked on yet. Number one, I, L is not the other person with superpowers in the show anymore because uh, um, Topper's ability to heal is incredible. Dude's Wolverine. I mean, he mutilates his ankle and he's only limping for like six hours. Um, well, and it's cold like, in well, Russia. I mean, and he's he's a hopper. He just hops around. He's good. <laughs> he's like straight up sprinting like less than two days later. It's like, okay, that meant nothing. Um, yeah. But also, what is with the, the Duffer Brothers and their um, interest in having people, like, set dates <laughs> during the apocalypse? Like, it happened during season three with, with Hopper and Joyce. So they're like, yeah, we got that date. And they keep talking about it. And then Max and Lucas are like, you want to go to see a movie on Friday? I'm like, bro. It happens in season one, actually, because uh, the penultimate f- uh, episode, Mike asks l to the snowball so yeah. they they they've just kept it going i've also noticed a few other trends in the finale they always play P- a peter gabriel song always plays um in season one and three it was hero and then in season two it was something else in season four it was something else um but i thought that was, in, uh, it was just like an interesting else. yeah sorry i can't remember the songs um i uh I thought maybe it was Hero and all of them, but I went and looked, and the other two were songs that I didn't really recognize. <laughs> um, why is that funny? Nothing. I was just giving you shit. Okay. Um, cool. What do you guys think happened to Max? You mean, like, getting brought back? Yeah. Like, well, And we saw Elle go into her head, and Max wasn't there. Like, Elle was alone when she went into Max's head. So, what does that mean? Where's Max? Like, is she, is she, like, her body is alive, but her mind is in the Upside Down with Vecna? Is she going to be a part of the Upside Down? Because she's going to have spent time there? Like, I don't know. Like, they could turn one of the main cast into a villain. They could, they could turn her, you know? But also, like, have, like, a physical and mental split. It's kind of, it's kind of funny you say that because, um... I remember thinking, why is Eleven not saying like, "Oh yeah, I brought her back. I saved her ass." Like, why isn't she not telling anyone? Because she's not back. What happened? And you see, Mike. Well, she hasn't woken up, but I, I guess I didn't realize the part about her not being in her own head. Like, because you see Mike and and Will looking at Eleven, like almost like very clearly saying, "Like, I wonder if she had anything to do with this." Kind of look. Yeah. But then. You know, obviously, now that you just pointed that out, yeah, it makes sense. Like, she goes in there, and Max isn't there. Like, I could see why Eleven would be reluctant to say what happened if she did something kind of morally ambiguous. Well, and she feels guilty because she wasn't able to save her in time. You know, like that moment where her arm started breaking. I was like, oh, no, not Max. Don't kill Max. I don't want Max to die. I want one of the other ones to die. You want to start seeing main characters die. I know. I would have been okay with it because I do want main characters to die, which sounds terrible to say out loud. But I just, I wanted, like, I had specific people that I would, I wanted to die. (laughs) I want Will to die. I wanted Steve to die. God damn it. I wanted Steve dead. So, I wanted Steve and his family dead. Tyler, since you, since you just watched all the seasons, do we know why Max and uh, forced her family to move to Cal- or move away from California? Because her brother hates her because of whatever she was responsible for. I don't know that there is a reason. Because, because he says we, he he makes a note in season two about how everything's her fault, the reason why they had to move, and all of his life got thrown upside down, and all of his sports and all that shit was all fucked because because of her of something she did and then we see 11 visit her in her history and i was like oh shit we're gonna find out like this is kind of an unexplained thing that they've alluded to and then it was just immediately over and i was like fuck tell me what happened tell me why did you leave california max yeah Um, i I, that's actually a good point i do remember billy saying that to her in the car on the way home from school in season two and then kind of billy's storyline takes the priority through season three and i don't know if we ever really get max's story the most backstory we got was that weird memory of her skateboarding which, which i didn't yeah, didn't feel very 
disappointed for me. I didn't. Yeah, I kind of was like, what is this even about? I don't understand. It shows that she's not going to give up even though people tell her to or what? I don't understand what this me- this memory is. Google's telling me that her parents' divorce and mother's remarriage caused them to move. Interesting. But the mother married his dad in California. I don't understand. Whatever. doesn't matter. Uh, maybe she got a job out there. Um, but how did you guys feel about like her coming back and being blind and paralyzed. That's how she, like she came back I, from Vecna's thing and she woke up and she was just like, I can't see anything and I can't feel anything. I was like, Oh fuck. Yeah. Like is like, are we going to have her like completely without senses? Like that's a tough way to go through life, you know? And like, imagine the guilt that L will be feeling. I, Sorry. Go ahead. I, I talked to someone about the end here about this concept of Max's death, and I thought it was really strong, or I guess we agreed that it, we thought it was really strong. I'm sorry. Um, you're talking to that, other people about this series before you speak to us? Sometimes. I can't, be- I can't believe this. That's insane. And and one of the things that they said that I, I believed with, uh, that I agreed with them on, is that like Max's character throughout the season is constantly being like, I'm okay to die. I'm ready to die. I'm willing to sacrifice myself. It's okay, blah, blah, blah. But then when she actually faces death... She immediately flips the switch, which I think was a very realistic approach towards this concept of facing death because so many people, when they actually come to the deciding moment, go, wait, wait a minute. <laughs> like, oh, hold on. Yeah. Um, so I, I, I think her not wanting to die was a very powerful choice for the directors to be like, yeah, it's easy to write a character that's like always strong and consistent. Like, yeah, no, I never want to die. But it's very true from from our own personal experience or at least my own personal experience seeing people that towards the end they change completely yeah it's a biological imperative yeah so, yeah completely flips the mind um what about um i mean I, it, i'm coming up with all the ideas for conversation points but brian did you have any thoughts uh, that you wanted to kind of touch on before we wrap kind this of up? a weird tangent but you i just wanted to express appreciation can you guys hear me yeah jeff's just interrupting Sorry, people I- yeah, kind of a, a weird tangent here, but um, try to stay with me. I, I think I, I just want to express some appreciation to um, Eleven or Millie Bobby Brown, I think is her name, because I, I uh, obviously just recently, um, you know, caught up on Stranger Things, and then this today I was watching um, some Westworld, and I was struck by how much of a similar vibe I get between Millie Bobby Brown and uh, Evan Rachel Wood. Evan, Evan Rachel Wood where like I feel like they just steal every scene that they're in like obviously they're both main characters but at the same time like this just they just both have this like I can't call it a unique quality because I'm saying they both have it but they both have a, just a very um, <laughs> it's mutually unique they they have like a commanding presence yeah. on screen they both they both very much com- command the screen and like I, I I just was watching Evan Rachel Wood in a, in a couple of scenes and was like man, she really steals the show. Like I'm getting a, just a real similar vibe to somebody that I saw recently and it, it clicked for me pretty quickly that it's it's definitely Eleven. Like just every scene that she's in, I find myself watching her character and what she's got going on. Um, she just has a lot of gravitas and I, you know, I'm, I'm looking forward to seeing how her career plays out because she's uh, she was a great pick for this role and she kills it. Yeah, I, I'll say, oh, sorry. Go ahead, Jeff. I was going to say, um, I completely agree. She's a great actress. Um for me, I think some of the performances that I really loved from season four that I didn't really catch in the first three seasons was there was a lot of non-verbal performances throughout this show. Like the most probably powerful scene for me was Will confronting his own sexuality um, when in the car with Mike, trying to inspire Mike without <laughs> basically indirectly telling him that he loves him. Uh, and then him in the same car having to turn and try and muffle his own cries Um inconspicuously was just a really powerful scene um, yeah yeah it's interesting brian really well sorry jeff didn't mean to interrupt you there continue i think there's a bit of a delay on yeah our, my uh, wi-fi is not the best yeah so anyway um brian and i actually talked about the scene yesterday and brian i think brian you said that you didn't pick up on the like the homosexuality like it's, it seems yeah it seems super obvious to me in hindsight but it, i think um, my wife and I, our first assumption was that he was, um, crushing on like 11, also, right? also in love, in love with 11 and that he was kind of, you know, just trying to stay out of the way of his best friend's situation. And that, I think it, it could have made sense from that standpoint, but yeah, you know, I, I liked, 
you know, that they, you know, that there's an added layer of complexity there where it's a little bit more obvious when someone points it out to you, if you didn't catch it at first, at least. Oh, if you watch season uh, three and that, season four you know, back to back, it's like really obvious because Will is constantly being like, let's just skip, like ignore the girls guys and just like hang out just us, you know? And like, he keeps, he constantly is just like staring at Mike, Any anything Mike's doing or saying, he's like watching him. It's like very clear that he's starting to like kind of form feelings for this guy. Um, that moment in the car I thought was really good. It's, it can be a little bit, the show can be very cheesy at times. And I did find that moment to be a little bit cheesy, but I actually, I liked the actor. I liked the actor's performance in that. I don't know that actor's name, um, but he he's really grown into something like season one, he gets nerfed and like taken off screen immediately. And he's like nothing season two, basically the same thing. He's just kind of like sick the whole time and like unconscious for half of it. Yeah. Season three is like the first time that we actually see him like kind of have ownership and actually take part in an adventure. And then this season was like, I thought like the first time that we actually get to see him perform and like be a, like have development and like kind of grow. And I think that he really carried it well back to Brian's kinda... point, Millie Bobby oh, Brown watching all these seasons back to back. Like I just did she's like fully formed when she's like eight years old like season one she is exactly what you're describing her as now brian like she is a commanding presence in that very 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 first season when she's a child like yeah. a very small child i was like i couldn't i could not take my eyes off of her and like the way that she yeah. sells there's something about her physical ability to emote like she has like a physicality about her that like kind of tells you everything like the body language she's acting through body language almost like you can feel the rejection when she feels rejected just by a simple like hunch of her shoulders or something like she's there's just something that she's doing that i'm like wow she's really really good um i actually yeah, really, really like her a lot i'm really excited to see her progression i think i already talked about this last year but that sh she did that sherlock holmes spinoff movie enola holmes where she plays like sherlock holmes's sister or something i watched that and i really liked it and i was like oh i think maybe i just like millie bobby brown i you know she's in the godzilla movies and those are you know just i don't watch them three for three names but... yeah just use three names and you'll either be a presidential assassin assassin or an incredible <laughs> female lead what about sirhan sirhan that's just two names but they're the same name well, I don't know if you know this, but he actually had a third name. What was it? Sir. Sir <laughs> Saw that coming. <laughs> so um, real quick on that Will thing before we move on, unless you had another thought on it. No, I was just going to point out that uh, another thing. So go ahead. But, um, I, th I find it kind of interesting. And I'm hoping you can kind of touch on this and, and correct me if I'm wrong. But I think this is the first time I've ever seen them make the creative decision to have a character like kind of going through the process of like discovering that he's, you know, that he's um, gay. And it's the thing that he's wrestling with is not how to tell people or how to like come to terms with it himself. It's that he's actually falling in love with his, or is in love with his straight best male, best friend. I think that's kind of interesting. Uh, you know, and I'm wondering why they chose to do that. Like, I guess I've always just kind of made the assumption that, that, you know, gay people like they rec you know recognize fully that the best friend. I'm struggling to make sure I'm not saying something offensive. No, here, but, but I like, can take it away from you there. I know from a lot of my friends who are gay that their first crushes were friends, were male friends that they grew up with or were friends with. I don't. Like I'm not saying that that is a ubiquitous like. I don't think that that's everybody's experience. And I do think that some gay men, like as they're kind of figuring out their sexuality, like do become attracted to other gay men. And then that like, gets just kind of that way. But I know personally several friends who have come out who told me that they had crushes on other friends of ours or, you know, other friends of theirs um, that just were kind of unrequited love. Um, so I think that it's relatively common. I wouldn't say that it's everybody's experience, but it, I think that it's probably pretty normal. Maybe, maybe it's something I just haven't seen done on screen before. Like I, I can't think of too many times where I've I mean, seen do them. Do you watch a lot of gay cinema? 
frequently. Yeah, I was going to say. I think maybe if you watched more movies about gay love stories, you probably would see it a little bit more often. But I don't I don't know. I don't I don't watch a lot of that. Jeff, did you have a thought on that? No, I, I already said I thought it was probably the most powerful scene in the in the show for me. I think they delivered it very well. They directed that scene very well. And um, especially it was excellently intertwined with him and his brother having an emotional disconnect and led perfectly into Jonathan you, reaching out. You see Jonathan when he watches him in the car and he knows what Will is saying is what he wants to say is like, you are that for me. But instead, Will is saying, you're that for L. you're that for her. But like he, you, you can, like we know that that's not what he wants to say, but he has to because that's what Mike needs to hear in that moment, you know. And it, yeah, it is, it is heartening for sure. Um, the one last point I wanted to have or speak on before we move on, um, got Gaten Gatton Matarazzo, the yeah. the kid who plays Dustin. Dustin. Um, this is the first I've always thought that he was very funny and like he's very he just seems like a very 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 smart child or kid or adult i don't know how old he is but i assume he's an adult at this point but he seems like a smart person this is the first season where i was like oh this kid can act actually that moment where eddie is dying and he's holding him in his arms and he's crying and he's like he's like say you'll take care of him say you'll take you'll leave the party or whatever and he's like trying to say it but he can't because he's crying i was like fuck i I am believing this wholeheartedly. I know this is a performance, but it is, it feels so real. And I, I just want to say props to that guy. Cause I thought he did a really good job. And then I immediately thought he did a really bad job in the scene where he cried when giving the uh, guitar pick necklace to the guy's uncle. Cause I was like, Oh, this doesn't work for me as much. <laughs> but I do think that, that that kid is also a really good actor. Um, and I'm, it's interesting to see that like Finn Wolfhard, the guy who plays Mike, which goddamn, what a name, right? Am I right, guys? Everybody, um, and Millie Bobby Brown are kind of the only two, and David Harbor, um, are the only two that really like made something in this series, and like have done anything like successful with it. You know, Finn Wolfhard was in the It movies, and then um, Ghostbusters, and has been like in like kind of a string of hits, albeit hits referencing '80s classics. <laughs> almost exclusively <laughs> um but why, why are you rolling your eyes and shaking your head jeff you disagree all right yes. cool <laughs> do you say yes yes is he delayed sorry yeah <laughs> it's, it's definitely delayed uh, but sorry go ahead um Anyway, it's interesting to see that those actors are the only ones that are doing anything with it because I do think that a lot of them are really good, and I'm I'm interested to see. All right, I'm interested to see what they do outside of Stranger Things once this wraps up. Do you guys think they're going to be able to wrap it up successfully next season? Like 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 they're saying is their plan. Jeff, I know you said that you're already not excited, but Brian, do you think that they'll be able to find us like a resolution that you're happy with? Um, I do. I, I kind of wish. I kind of wish they'd done this in reverse order. I guess I don't understand. I'd have to check myself after saying I played Dungeons and Dragons and then now admitting I don't understand the hierarchy of the villains. But for them to have the Mind Flayer be a bigger, badder villain than Vecna is kind of surprising to me. This last episode, Vecna showed that he He created the Mind Flayer. The Mind Flayer. So he is the the Mind Flayer. Oh, okay. That's what Will was, was saying. Assuming. He was like, now that I know that it was him all along, I can feel him everywhere. So Will, ah, so Vecna is the Mind Flayer. He was the Mind Flayer. He's the one that sent the first Demogorgon over in season one. He's the one that took Will with him. He's He's been the main bad guy the whole time behind the scenes. At the beginning of this season, they oh. called Vecna um, the Mind Flayer's five-star general, which would make yeah. him the number two. But in reality, Vecna is the big bad. He controlled the Mind Flayer. The Mind Flayer was like a big smoke monster that he created visually just to like be more physically imposing, I guess. I don't, I don't really know. Makes but, yeah. sense, I guess. Yeah, I, okay. I didn't click through that. I, I saw this stuff about the five-star general thing and ads and stuff, and I just assumed that that was them implying that the Mind Flayer was a bigger threat than Vecna, which to me was kind of bugging the crap out of me because I was like, 
Vecna feels like the end all baddie being, you know, number one and, you know, being, you know, like on at the very least on Eleven's level in power, you know, or close to or whatever. Like, I, I didn't understand why they were going with a different big baddie, but okay, that makes sense. And that's probably why they kept him alive then is just to kind of like let him still be the the big um bad at the end of the, the whole thing yeah uh, i will say that i noticed cool. in season two they introduced the mind flayer without a name um and then the main like the bad guys that got the names were the demo dogs right and then in season three is when they name him the mind flayer um and that's when he takes over billy and then in season four you're like oh the mind flayer is still out there but he's sending vecna after us and i was kind of confused i was like i don't understand like if the mind flayer is still out there why is the mind flayer sending vecna because we just defeated the mind flayer and then you realize that vecna is the mind flayer and then that kind of all wraps it up and now we know that the bad guy has been being set up since season two albeit i don't know that they had this plan at that point but you know that's that's what we're going with now so 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 uh, quick quick side note um I can't believe I'm doing this because we were just making fun of Tyler for this, but with the whole um, homage thing, there is something I realized that was kind of giving me that kind of a vibe of being like a call out to something from the 80s. And I just clicked for me what it was and I was thinking about it during the season. So um, what's the name of the Dusty, right? Or Dustin. Mm -hmm. So he goes into the upside down with his hood up, his gray hood up and a headband around kind of holding it in place right i just got this weird uh flash to the knight in the 80s arcade game dragon's lair do you know what i'm referring to yeah they play it in season three actually yeah yes they do yeah and i I just quick gave it a quick google to see if it popped up at all i i see that they were playing the game and it's actually dustin playing the game um in that shot but the main character is a knight who has like gray chainmail kind of in a similar style where it go, you know, like his face is exposed, but it, like it's all gray otherwise. And I just wonder if they did that kind of like same homage thing with Dragon's Lair, you know, showing Dustin going in dressed that way. I think I, that if curious. they were doing that, because I'm looking, I pulled it up and if I, I don't disagree, like that it definitely could have been right. Like a stylistic decision. Um, but I think they probably would have pointed it a little bit harder, right? Like giving him a red T-shirt or something, because I don't, I don't know. The co- the costume's not exactly perfect, but it's close enough. I can see the homage being there, so maybe it almost looks like he has a a backpack on in one some of these shots, and then I think that's what Dirk the Daring is, is who I'm referring to. Yeah, Dirk the Daring. Anyway, just a just a quick side note For, there. I just thought maybe I was on entirely the one. Po- possible. I. I picked up on one homage as well, and uh, for me, it was Joyce's character. If you look really closely, she looks oh a lot like uh, Winona yeah. Ryder, who was uh, a popular actress uh, in the 80s oh, and yeah. 90s. She's super hot 80s, 80s actress. Yeah, she's in that movie about school shooters where they're the heroes. Heathers. Yikes. You guys haven't seen that? No. They're not the, he- they're not the heroes, and at the end, she like, yeah, whatever. It's, it's a good movie, but also like, it's like, it's way before the school shooting thing really became like a big deal and like so common. And it is very much glorifying like what, why they do what they do. It's kind of probably, she probably doesn't look back on it as fondly as other people might. Um, what's let's move on to what's clever. Um, we hope that everybody liked stranger things, uh, follow up with us. Let us know if you agree that, um, that there were a lot of references and homages throughout. We've said homage more than we've ever said it in any previous episode. I think we've hit our quota for the year, so I don't know if we'll ever say it again. But yeah, hit us up. Let us know if I was right. and uh, Or if you think that I'm ridiculous. Either way, we appreciate it. Jeff, what have you been watching, reading, and listening to? What's clever? What is sure. Clever? Um, well, I watched all of Umbrella Academy uh, season three. And on the first episode, it became immediately apparent that I did not finish season two. Um, (laughs) And I skipped, (laughs) 
And uh, so I skipped the recap and was was greeted with some new information. But I'm a quick learner, so I just committed, stayed through it, and thoroughly enjoyed. Oh, you didn't three. go back and watch um, it? No, um, I, I was caught up <laughs> instantly. Um, I thought it was entertaining, right? They kept a lot of the same spirit. Um, I thought some of the characters' motivations had changed and drifted and what, but for the, a lot of the, a lot of the characters, they're just very fun um, story arcs. Um, didn't love the overarching narrative, um, but uh, overall, it was an enjoyable um, show. Uh, on top of that, uh, what else have I been reading and watching? Um, uh, not much else. Uh, Eric, and I, my roommate, and I are watching Naruto. Um, we picked up at the Pain Saga, and we are going to finish it. So that's fun. We just finished the paint saga. We're on to the uh, beginning of the um, War of the Five Nations, or whatever they call it—the Great Fifth Great Ninja War. Cool, Brian. What have you been doing? I I, I covered a bunch of stuff that I got to watch while on vacation. Uh, the only one I think I, I failed to mention that I'll just use my time for now is uh, what's it called? Uh, Spiderhead? Is it? Yeah, Chris Hemsworth and miles teller right yeah, i haven't watched yep. it pretty good um interesting concept uh decent ex- execution cool to see chris hemsworth in in a in a more psychological role um just something quirky like obviously they they still nod to his good looks and his his character does it more than anyone else but uh you know he plays a a, a character that's kind of more in a, a psychological or mental capacity i, I you know he's a scientist in it so um and i i really like miles teller i know he's kind of on the up and up but uh he he did good job in this role so it was emotionally charged and he delivered so yeah uh it's he's a he's a very interesting figure in that he was on the come up and then he was in that terrible fantastic four movie and then got let go from la la land he was originally supposed to be um ryan gosling's character in la la land and uh the director whose name uh is escaping me right now basically dropped him i think that they had some personal difficulties or whatever anyway i've always liked him i think he's a really charming character actor to watch on screen i think he's talented um i really liked him in top gun so i'm happy that he's back in films because he kind of had a hiatus there where he wasn't doing anything He's in a new show called The Offer, which is about apparently bad, but it's about the um, the making of The Godfather, which uh, is an interesting story. I read the book that the show is based on. I also actually read the short story that Spiderhead is based on. Um, so I kind of have an idea of what it is going into it, but I hear that they changed quite a lot. Um, so I'm, I am interested to watch it. Um this week, I pretty much just watched Stranger Things, so um, I don't really have anything to say. Other than that, I uh, have been diving back into comic books. I read um, The Last Ronin, which is a Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtle story where all of the Ninja Turtles are dead except for one, and um, they don't tell you which one it is, but he now fights the Foot Clan alone in like a future version of New York City where the Foot have taken over. And uh, Splinter's dead. Casey's dead. April O'Neil's like a cyborg because she like lost an arm and a leg. And um, it's just one Ninja Turtle, and I'm not going to reveal who it is, but um, it's pretty good. Uh, Kevin Eastman and uh, Peter Laird came back to draw and write it, respectively. And uh, that's kind of exciting because they haven't worked on a TMNT property since like the mid 90s. So it's exciting. Um, And then I also picked up a comic book called We Only Find Them When They're Dead, which is about a series uh, or like a a spaceship um, that basically like there's gods out in space and they're dead. We find humans only find them when they're dead and they basically carve up their bodies for nutrients so like we eat their flesh and like all kinds of crazy stuff because it's like i don't know people want it um and then they've just this group of this and this one ship decide they want to find a living god and so they're off on that so i picked up the first two volumes of that from my local comic book shop and i've been reading through it it's got um 
probably one of my favorite up and coming artists on it, uh, Simone de Mayo, uh, who is like, I think Spanish, but maybe Italian uh, artist. Um, Jeff, you may have seen some of uh, his stuff, but man, his art is absolutely incredible. If anybody's out there and just interested in artwork, specifically comic book artwork, but like just art in general, um, he has just like a very interesting way of doing it that's very anime inspired, but also very comic book uh, inspired. So it's just kind of like this beautiful blend of both. And um, it's, uh, yeah, it's just really good stuff. So those are my recommendations. Uh, otherwise, going to let the uh, our little closing credits play and tell you how to get in touch with us. But I want to thank everybody for listening. And uh, next week, Thor. Everybody on track to be able to see Thor next week? Yep. Brian? Should be. Jeff? Should be. Cool. All right. Next week, we'll be back for Thor. Thanks, everybody. Thanks, everyone. Bye, guys. Thank you for listening to the Clever Kids Podcast. If you want more from us... Be sure to follow us on social media. We're at Clever Kids Pod everywhere. Or you can get in touch with us at cleverkidspodcast at gmail.com. We would love to hear from you. And be sure to rate us on whatever app you're listening on and recommend us to a friend. We really appreciate it. Or don't. Whatever's clever.